Hello and welcome to Policy Voices by Friends of Europe, an independent think tank with a difference. Each week from Brussels, we bring you powerful conversations with policy voices from around the world. Policy Voices talking policy choices. Geert Wilders has, over the years, has uttered uh, not only a severely Islamophobic rhetoric, but also a severely transphobic rhetoric. I heard from teachers that they have little children in their school class asking them, uh, teacher, can I, can I stay? Little children of Dutch-Moroccan background, for example. The Dutch election sent shockwaves across Europe with the victory of another far-right party. In the Netherlands, Gert Wilders' PVV won not by a slim margin, but by more than 10 seats. In true Dutch fashion, the political maneuvering is just getting started, and Wilders will have to make some serious concessions if he wants to become Mart Rutte's successor. I'm Katerina Villanova, host of Policy Voices, and today on the podcast I bring you Kirsten van der Hoel, director of Dutch culture, former member of the Dutch parliament and a European young leader. Stay with us. Good morning, Kirsten. How are you? Welcome to Policy Voices. Good morning, Katerina. Lovely to be on your show. So, uh, Gert Wilders' coalition scout resigned over a fraud scandal. It was quite a scene-setter for a potential Wilders government. What, what did you make of all this? Well, it was uh, a lot happening uh, in, in, in a rather uh, short period of time, but I think um, the, the build-up has been rather long. Uh, so uh, the build-up of uh, racist uh, tendencies, uh, xenophobia in this country has been building up, as many activists and artists have already pointed out for quite a while. So I think a lot of that came to the surface now uh, during an election that uh, was actually very much about migration, a topic that... Uh, particularly uh, the, v- the VVD, so outgoing Prime Minister's Party, uh, put on the agenda. And um, yeah, which uh, the PVV, Mr. Wilders' party, has actually uh, really, uh, of course, been, yeah, that has been their core point for, for years. So I heard somebody say, if um, you want to beat the party on their own topic that has actually the you know the the, the monopoly on that topic uh, it's very hard to to beat them to it and i think that is what uh, what we've seen um the fact that uh, uh this was the uh, election the key election topic is actually really quite uh, quite sad because there were in fact a lot of other uh, topics uh, to be discussed you mentioned the previous government fell over uh, a scandal an outrage uh, over a discriminatory uh, anti-fraud mechanisms in our tax system so uh, people with um, let's say non-dutch sounding last names uh, were actually singled out and um, that led to people literally going bankrupt but even people losing their children uh, it, it was really quite 
incomprehensible if you see the depth and the width of this scandal. So uh, uh, good governance and uh, reliable government uh, that is there for people uh, was a very logical theme, actually, to, uh, to build a campaign on. One of the parties tried to do that, uh, the uh, new party uh, formed by former Christian Democrat uh, Peter Omtzigt. So they, they really wanted to focus on, yeah, on, on, on governance and um, looked promising, but in the end did not quite manage to, to capitalize uh, on that promise. And then, of course, there was uh, my party. Uh, so I was a former uh, uh, MP for that. Social Democratic Party, uh, Labour, and, uh, um, and this party formed, uh, yeah, for the first time, um, joined hands with the Greens, which was quite uh, unique, actually, uh, in, uh, in a Dutch setting. And uh, yeah, this coalition paid off because uh, the end result was bigger than uh, the sum of uh, of them combined in previous elections. So yeah, both both grew. Uh, in the uh, in the cooperation uh, came out second, but not enough to beat uh, to beat the uh, so-called Freedom Party. Unfortunately, thank you very much. There was very complete uh, outlook of the of the well the build up to the to the elections, and as you mentioned, immigration was ultimately what led to the fall of the latest Houthis government. It was on top of the agenda for the people that went to the polls. Uh, a few weeks ago, but can you tell us, for those who do not live in the Netherlands, how much of an impact does immigration and as well as asylum seekers have on the lives of uh, the, the Dutch average citizen, or was this just another case of the far right capitalizing on on this group? If you ask me, uh, the latter. So. Um... As you know, the Netherlands still uh, ranks uh, within the top five of uh, strongest economies in Europe and uh, ranks high also in the list of strongest economies in the world. And um, um, I think uh, that comes with a responsibility. And I think what we've seen is that that responsibility has eroded. The sense of responsibility uh, to be there for refugees, uh, to to be there um, for uh, people who were less fortunate uh, about where they were born or where they were living, um, has has eroded, has also been uh, destroyed in some way. So erosion sounds like almost an unavoidable process, but it was actually also a strategy. So um, Mr. Wilders' party. And also his former party, uh, VVD, the VPD, the uh, Conservative Liberal Party, uh, have consistently blamed uh, migrants for a lot of uh, real social problems that the Netherlands is experiencing. For example, the housing crisis. I think that's a very good example. So they have both uh, Mr. Wilders and Prime Minister Rutte and uh, other people in, in both parties have... Um, actually pointed at uh, migrants uh, being one of the root causes for the uh, problems of people finding social housing and the long waiting list. Whereas we know that um, those parties have actually also, and especially VVD, have uh, cut uh, investment in social housing. So it's almost like they created the problem, which now they're trying to blame 
on somebody else. And I think that holds true for some other examples where, uh, yeah, migrants and asylum seekers are used almost as a scapegoat, which, of course, we've seen in other European countries as well, uh, time and time again. Um, another uh, interesting point here is um, a specific group of migrants, which is labor migrants. So the Netherlands is quite uh, has has quite uh, uh, you know some um, a, a substantial part of the workforce consists of uh, of migrants who actually came here to work, for example, in uh, the greenhouse industry, which is rather large. Uh, jobs that uh, often have um, uh, yeah that there's uh, you know it's hard to find staff for, so um, a lot of the migration actually is labor migration, uh, which a lot of the voters for these parties fail to acknowledge, because who would then be doing those jobs if uh, the borders really close? And in general, closing borders for a country like the Netherlands, which uh, is by definition uh, a country that needs contact with Europe and the wider world, to uh, survive because we're a trading nation. So a lot of our uh, uh, labor market actually and jobs depend on our relations with the outside world. So I think it has not been a true, a, tr a truly honest story that has been painted, if, if you ask me. Which I do not want to take away from the real problems that people are experiencing for example, finding affordable homes, uh, for example, the fact that uh, there are long waiting lists for social housing, but also uh, that there are sometimes uh, no teachers to be found because there's a teacher shortage. I mean, there's quite a lot of social problems that I really think uh, we should address. But blaming them on uh, migrants and uh, asylum seekers, I think, is not fair and also not true. Based on all these social problems that are facing the Netherlands and Europe at large, do you see that the people that voted for Wilders actually see him as a capable politician of solving these problems? Was, was or the people that voted for him was this more of a still of a protest vote against mainstream? I think there's both, but I think the main conclusion is that people were fed up with uh, uh, Mr. Rutte's party who have been here for over a decade. So there's a whole generation of children who grew up only knowing uh, Mr. Rutte as their prime minister. And during uh, that period, uh, we've seen a rise in the number of homeless people. We've seen uh, an increase in shortage of teachers. I already mentioned the shortage of social housing. So there's quite a lot of social issues that actually have um, yeah, have grown, have become more urgent. So I think what this vote mainly was, was a vote of, um, yeah, saying we don't trust uh, that the current status quo will help us get out of our problems. Unfortunately, uh, uh, the conclusion that that means that the extreme right will be able to solve the, those problems, that is a conclusion that, uh, that I think uh, will prove uh, false possible government led by Wilders will have wide-ranging effects. I'll just name a few. Uh, there's the question of a continued membership of the Netherlands to the European Union, 
continued support for Ukraine, Dutch climate policy, carbon migration and support to asylum seekers, among many others. What concerns you the most of all the, the policies that Wilder said, of all these pledges, what are you most concerned about? Well, the most concerned I am about the uh, fact that the Netherlands, a country with a long-standing uh, uh, tradition in promoting human rights and the rule of law. Now, if this government will come to be, then we will have an extreme right politician in power. So that, I think, in itself is already just a very uh, uh, yeah, horrible uh, prospect because uh, this is a party that is not a democratic party. There's only one member in his party, and that's Mr. Bilder. So there's no party membership. There's no internal checks and balances. Uh, so it's an autocratically led party with uh, anti-constitutional views. So uh, they are, uh, you know, openly anti-Islam. They talk about banning uh, the Quran. They talk about closing borders. They talk about, indeed, getting out of the union. So, um, yeah, what concerns me most is that we would have... Um, yeah, an extreme right-wing politician with anti-constitutional views taking power. I think that is a very, in itself, a scenario that, uh, yeah, that is just really, really sad and, and horrible as a prospect. And also what that will do with a large part of our uh, population. Already we've seen it after the election uh, result. You know, um, there are large groups of the population who now feel scared of what this will mean to them. Um, Geert Wilders has had, uh, uh, over the years, has uttered uh, not only a severely Islamophobic uh, uh, rhetoric, but also a severely transphobic rhetoric, for example. What does this mean for uh, the LGBTI plus community in the Netherlands? Uh, what does this mean for uh, uh, people who, for example, uh, are, are, you know, have an Islamic uh, background or people who have a migration background and maybe are here now on a temporary permit. What does it mean? I've spoken to people who are afraid that they may need to leave the country. Um, I heard from teachers that they have little children in their school class asking them, uh, teacher, can I, can I stay? Little children of Dutch Moroccan background, for example. Well, that is already happening. So this, the signal that the Netherlands has now sent to a large part of our population who would be directly affected if these policies that Mr. Wilders has, uh, uh, you know, claimed, then, yeah, that effect already is immediate by, by the, the, the feeling of not belonging that, uh, that a, lot of, a, lo a large part of this population experiences right now. So, yeah, that, that makes me very sad uh, to see. And, and also, you know, the fact that in some cities including the city where I live, The Hague, um, you know, a large part of the population has voted for Mr. Wilders' party. means that some people are now walking in the street thinking, uh, was it you who voted? Was it you who voted for Wilders? It, it is a scary thought to know that, for example, one third or one quarter uh, uh, of the people that you are, for example, working with, voted for a party that that uh, can can express these right wing views that is that is that is a very scary thought and and uh, it has already led to to a lot of pain among many people and that is something that I think we should take seriously as well 
it makes it all the more important to now uh, stand shoulder to shoulder and to also speak out in favor of human rights, in favor of connection, in favor of uh, non-extremist rhetoric. And I think it's also important to point out that during the campaign, Mr. Wilders uh, was dubbed Mr. Milder by some uh, uh, journalists because he said during the campaign, especially towards the end of the campaign, he said, well, I know that I have had uh, some radical uh, points, but I'm, of course, uh, if I would be prime minister, I would be prime minister for the whole country, for everybody. So I would be willing to make some compromises. So some people saw that as, as a sign of him uh, toning, toning down. Well, only yesterday, Mr. Wilder showed up at a uh, meeting uh, in The Hague where the city uh, was planning to house uh, asylum seekers and there was a neighborhood uh, meeting and Mr. Wilder showed up uh, at that meeting to support uh, the people who did not want the asylum seekers. So I think uh, he is already showing that his rhetoric is still as extreme right and as uh, xenophobic and anti-Islam as it ever was. So, uh, yeah, I'm not yet quite convinced that uh, we are seeing a milder version of Mr. Wilders. And are you convinced that um, should he should he be able to form a coalition that as the other parties, uh, the the names on the table are the VVDA, the Farmers Party, the New Social Contract Party, will be able to to moderate Wilders? I am quite skeptical about that. I think he made his uh, agenda quite clear, and uh, actually uh, a lot of. Uh, those parties that you just mentioned um, also have quite, uh, well, have some points of view where they could find each other. So the differences, um, I think, on some topics are not that big. So I think it it is very well possible that they will be able to form a coalition. And uh, yeah, um, I'm quite concerned and worried about uh, where that could lead to. But if that is indeed feasible, uh, yeah, we will have to wait and see. The first steps are being taken as we speak. So the first exploratory talks are currently being held. And uh, let's let's really see what, what comes out of that phase. So what you see uh, that is the most likely scenario for the future Dutch government? I, th- I I think it is quite uh, quite possible that these these parties that you just mentioned uh, will be able to uh, to form a coalition. The question is, what will the VVD do? They already said that they do not want to be a part of a, a coalition in view of uh, their big loss uh, during the last uh, elections. They felt that their role is now not in uh, a coalition, but they also said that uh, if the proposals would uh, work for them that they would be able to support a government um, that would be formed. So in theory, they already gave Mr. Wilders a parliamentary uh, majority for for some of his proposals. So let's see. Um, Also, that might change. Uh, We have seen that before, that uh, that statements uh, about... uh, coalition participation changed over the course of the negotiations. So I think it's it's really too soon to really say uh, what uh, will happen. But yeah, if you would ask me now, I think that is still the most likely scenario. Mr. Wilders forming a right-wing uh, government. And what role do you see for your party, uh, Labour Party, that uh, ran in the elections uh, in a coalition with the Greens? Yeah, well, I think this uh, only shows how how incredibly important it is to have a united front against intolerance, against 
um, Islamophobia, against anti-Semitism, against uh, anti-migration rhetorics. And I think as the biggest opposition party, it is really a big responsibility and also something that already Mr. Timmermans during election night already uh, quite clearly stated, uh, yeah, we will not leave anybody alone. So I think it is really important as uh, progressive and left-wing parties now to stand shoulder to shoulder and to stand up for human rights and to stand up for, yeah, for the Netherlands where everybody uh, is welcome and where it does not matter who you are or who your parents were or what your last name is or what you look like or who you love or how you identify uh, for how you're treated. And that is exactly uh, what's, what, what really, I think, matters right now, to stand up for human rights, to stand up for the Constitution, and to really defend it. So I see a big role also for the newly elected MPs from progressive parties, and not just from, from my party with the Greens, but also from the other uh, progressive parties, to, to really, yeah, to stand up and speak out, because it, it is going to really be uh, an interesting time in the Dutch parliament, to say the least. I want to leave the final minutes of this episode for a final word for the outgoing Prime Minister, Mark Rutte. Uh, was it time for him to go after 13 years in power? Yes, I, th I think it was. I think even in his own party, uh, they felt that way. Uh, I've, I've, I've heard uh, that from, from some of his, uh, his fellow party members. I think the, the matter of succession planning uh, should, have dealt, should have been dealt with uh, earlier. Um, but I think for a long time they felt never change a winning team. They were uh, actually quite quite a solid presence, lecturally speaking, uh, for, for quite a number of consecutive years, uh, even though uh, quite a few of those governments fell prematurely as the last one. Uh, but um, yeah, I think it's, um, it, it is indeed, it, he, he stayed a bit too long. Um, And uh, I think he left the he left the country in uh, in a dire state. Um, I think it is uh, it is sad to see the state uh, we're in. I think it's sad to see that uh, xenophobia is on the rise, that uh, um, homophobia is on the rise. I think it's sad to see, as I mentioned, that there's now more homeless people than uh, before, and that in one of the wealthiest countries in Europe. So I think the income gaps have widened, and uh, I think that is something uh, that is not a nice legacy to leave behind. If you could sum up um, his tenure in one word, what would it be? Hmm, that's a very difficult question. It always is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say management politics. I can give you two words. That's fine. Well, it's, uh, let's collide them together. Management politics. I think, uh, well, also coming from a corporate background, I think uh, he has been very good at managing uh, uh, his consecutive uh, coalitions, not always taking responsibility uh, for himself, managing a coalition, managing a country almost as if it was uh, a company, sometimes He even used that word, BV Nederland, so Netherlands, Netherlands Incorporated. Uh, so I think that would be the, the, the summary. That is, I think, how he left the country. But we all know uh, a country is not a corporation. Uh, a country is uh, a constitutional democracy that uh, has a soul. Uh, and uh, that soul needs, uh, needs more than just management. So I, that is what I really wish 
for uh, whoever uh, will follow in his footsteps that uh, there will be more eye for the for the human element for the uh, yeah for, for some of the parts that have been neglected over the past years and a lot of that has to do with the social structures that made us uh, actually quite unique in the world our uh, welfare state uh, social housing human rights agenda i think for many people that is what the netherlands uh, stood for and uh, i really hope that uh, we will be able to get that back that is the country that i want to live in and not a country that is a corporation and definitely not a country that builds a high fence or uh, uh, builds higher dikes uh, to close it off from the wider world let alone europe because we need europe and uh, that is something that i really hope uh, a majority of our country will continue to uh, to work towards Christine, thank you very much and we all hope for better news and better days coming from the hague thank you very much katarina That was Kirsten van den Hoel, director of Dutch Culture, former member of the Dutch Parliament and the European Young Leader. Thank you for staying on that side and listening to today's episode of Policy Voices about the Dutch elections. Next week, we bring you an exclusive interview with Attilio Berardi, ambassador of Argentina to the European Union. Now that the EU-Mercosur agreement is hanging by a thread, mostly because of Argentina, this is an episode you will not want to miss. As always, we would love to hear what you thought of today's episode. Look for Friends of Europe on social media and leave us a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Policy Voices on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify to never miss an episode. I'm Katarina Villanova and I will be with you again next week. 